Welcome to Uncorked, the podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I'm Steph Corker, and I am really thrilled to have Jamie Smithers joining me today from Fernie, BC. Hey, Smithers. Hey, Corker. <laughs> oh, gosh. So we just spent the few moments before hitting record determining who might be the more competitive between the two of us or who has the most energy. And I'll give you both of those things um, because our relationship dates way back to when we were at Business Objects. Must have been 10 years ago? More than 10 years ago. 2005? 2005. We worked Mm -hmm. together. I had the pleasure of being one of your recruiters and I remember walking the halls of that software company and you only would have a bat or a ball in your hand at all times. And you weren't beating anyone with a bat, but it was just like you needed something that said, I'm here and I need business. And you would just throw the ball at people. And sometimes it was a baseball. Sometimes it was this like soft football. I don't know. Um, but, but you were nothing but good times. That's what I'm trying to get at. And you've gone on and worked... I mean, you had a really cool career at SAP. You've gone on and worked with world-class software organizations, global software companies for that matter. And now you're in a really cool spot in British Columbia, Fernie. How far is Fernie from Vancouver? Uh, One hour flight, just over one hour flight and uh, 12 hours-ish, depending how many kids you have in a car and how many stops you have to make. Yeah, let's be real. 12 hours outside of the, the main city center and you've chosen a a different way of life and it's super inspiring and that's what I wanted to riff with you on today. So let's start with the move to Fernie. What inspired that? Uh, So it was a it was a five-year plan uh, that took a lot longer um, Uh partly because it's scary it's a big move so uh, as you mentioned when we were back at uh, Crystal Business Objects and SAP. Um, it was I, I just continued to move up in the organization, and I got fairly fairly senior in the in the organization. And um, the the thing that uh, as you get more senior, you get more reports, and then you're there, and it's harder and harder to leave. So my wife and I, we really wanted to get to a small town. We were both uh, grew up ski racing. We both grew up in fairly small towns ish, and as we started a family, we wanted that opportunity to provide, you know, really sense of amazing community and have outdoors literally one minute from our door, as opposed to a, a drive for 90 minutes, et cetera, and so forth. So we put a five year plan in place that took 10, 10 years. Okay. That's real. Yeah. yeah. It, it was hard. It was really yeah. hard. And it was actually the opportunity that, when I left, it was one of the harder things to do is I'd been with kind of those three companies all as one company, really. Yeah. For, for, the, for all of my career outside of university. And um, I joined a company called NetSuite and they didn't care where talent was. Mm. They just said, we're going to take, you know, wherever you are. And at that point, <laughs> I think they didn't really even, although Vancouver is a very established market, they didn't have anybody in Canada market. They had most people and I was going to help build out their sales and marketing teams in the US. Super cool. As long as you're close to an airport, we don't really care if you're in Alaska or where is Fernie? <laughs> right. I don't even, I don't, I mean, I know where it is on a map. Okay, let's go back to that. The golden handcuffs, I like to call it. The golden handcuffs are so real. 
you get to a big organization, you have a sexy title, you have work that you're probably really interested in, it's very meaningful, it's scalable, you're going around the world, it sounds really sexy, um, it sounds sexy to people, you know, you get to rhyme off something neat, it looks really beautiful on your LinkedIn profile and your CV. Um, I feel like I'm in conversations with people constantly that think like there's an expiry date to this and how do I get out? Mm -hmm. But really mm -hmm. now I've created this life around these handcuffs. Um, mm -hmm. So what, what did it take for you to even consider breaking free of the handcuffs? Not necessarily making the move to Fernie, but just making the leap from, from SAP. Let's start there. Uh, I think one, having a bit of a goal, but two is having really smart people around you. Um, people that um, are good mentors and coaches that are willing to help support you. So I remember the first, the first moment that actually it all started, there was another head of worldwide sales for a much smaller company. Um, and I, had, I was asked by one of my mentors to go interview for that. And that's actually where it all started. And I was like, nah. So I talked to my mentor. My mentor was like, you know, you've been going on this path to go run a, a, a small software company at some point in your life. And you've been in this company for a long time. Now is probably the perfect opportunity. You've learned a ton throughout your career. Take that opportunity and go run one of these companies. So I did that. I took that interview. I was horrible, actually. I was, I didn't interview very well. I, I don't know if the culture was quite there for me too, but I'll take full accountability. I think as somebody who hadn't really interviewed for much after I interviewed for the first company, I got promoted because of my right. merits. Yeah. And um, so I was not good at interviewing. And I think I, I think I'm, I remember one of the questions was what's going to be the hardest thing coming and joining our company. And I said, leading the company I'm at. Wow. Probably not the right question to say. <laughs> the right answer. Yeah. The right answer. Sorry. And uh, yeah, so it didn't go on any further, but I reported back to my mentor and the, and the person that you know, brought that opportunity forward. And they're like, you went? I was like, yeah. They're like, we have just the perfect opportunity for you. Here, come join this company called NetSuite. It's an amazing culture, great people. You can run this. It will continue to move you into like learning more about uh, P&L and you're going to love it. And I left and I had like, it was a sad moment to leave, but actually it wasn't as sad. Like right. it, it was like eerily, like I'd been there and gave 15 years of my life. Wow. And there was a bunch of people that, you know, were my friends, but I was expecting a lot more upper in the upper yeah. leadership that were like, Oh, Smithers is leaving. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't care. Yeah. They didn't care. So it's a great reminder. You're a human. People super care about you as a person and businesses keep running. And yes. yet when we're there for a long time, we get so invested and we think that how could this possibly happen without us? And you're like, mm -hmm. Oh wait, onward they go onward. They march. Mm -hmm. I remember when SAP hit the size of the town I grew up in, I was like, okay, this is next level. <laughs> There's as many employees as this entire town I grew up in. Um, okay, so all this to be said, you've now joined a small organization in a really cool leadership capacity. We're celebrating your one year today. It's very yes. exciting. Thank you. Um, yeah. tell, tell me about Thought Exchange and, and what you're up to over there. Uh, so we are, this is an, uh, a small world, um, bit of a story. There's uh, mutual colleagues of ours back in the day um, got me introduced to this company. Uh, he also had this dream of 
And it's actually, it's like one person makes the move and then it's amazing that it Incredible. helps another person make the move. So Darren, Brecky and their family, um, four kids have been in Denver, been in San Francisco, worked with world-class tech companies as well, then moved to Vancouver. And they're like, no, it's, it's not really that. I, I want something different. How did you guys pull off Fernie? And at that point, I had a little bit more confidence. I was like, we just did it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, because you can just do it. Like, there's great companies yeah. that are looking for talent. And he said, well, here, there's another great company that's here in Rossland. And you should come meet the two co-founders. And there's, they're the, you know, some of the greatest two humans that I've met in my life and now have the pleasure to work with. Um, there are, our platform is awesome. It really is this amazing listening and um, you know, community engagement platform that now is making its way into corporate. We're seeing amazing corporate leaders that really want to understand what their employees think and how to engage them in different ways. And it's really starting to take off from that perspective as well. And so I, I met them and I did my due diligence on them and I thought about our times at Crystal and business objects and what made companies great and did this company have that, you know, did it have the great product, did it have a big market opportunity, you know, what, are, what were its differentiations in the marketplace, did it have great people that you wanted to work with every day, could you learn, could I add, you know, could I add my skills and knowledge to the company and make it great and help it, you know, go on this journey and uh, I did that due diligence and now one year later I'm I, I've probably grown more as a leader in this past year than the last 15 years. Amazing. So let's play get real um, because it's a huge, a huge transition, big company, big town, yeah. small company, small, smaller company and smaller town. What do you miss? If anything. Yeah. So small town, you, you, so this town Infernia is small. It's we're 5,000 employees. No, 5,000 people. Uh, sorry, sorry, 5,000 people. Thank you. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> people, yes. Employees. Yes, we're all employees of Fernie. Fernie, Fernie. yeah. No. Uh, yeah, we're 5,000 uh, um, residents. And it's transient at times. Uh, so service is like, eh. You know, at times, like having lived in Toronto and having lived in Denver and having lived in Vancouver when some amazing, you know, entertainment and part of the things like that I look for is like I love sports I love getting outside so that really drives me but I also love cooking and I love eating and I love like entertainment as well so it's you're not going to get you know amazing bands all the time and or amazing food all the time um so you just pick your moments a little bit I miss that a little bit yeah um but I think everything else outweighs like it's really quite small, but I've shared that with others, which is like, there's another couple that just moved into town from Toronto. One worked at actually Concur SAP cool. and another one, woman was from Coca-Cola. And I was like, and she asked the same, same question. I was like, yeah. oh, you know, there's probably two good restaurants. Right. <laughs> so I want to know the flip side because the flip side and everyone wants to know what you miss because I mean, I have this theory. We all just want to come down to mediocrity. And so when you do something that's outside of, the, the everyday normal person life, um, we ask you the first question of what do you miss because it helps bring us back to this like normalcy. But mm -hmm. what I care way more about is what have you got in your life in exchange for this move? What have been not even the best parts, just, you know, you've maybe you've given up a commute or you've given up mm -hmm. spending so much money at restaurants or mm -hmm. what, what has that looked like for you? Well, I'll share just one more, which uh, one more miss, uh, and that yeah. is like when. I, so as I, I 
I get to, I do get the opportunity to travel in this role and we we mark we we sell to as most of my career I've been in all over the world and or in the US a lot. Um so there's the one little miss ish of yeah. like sometimes there's an extra connection to get home and therefore you're not home exactly when when you want to be home. Right. Which is but I guess it could arguably happen in a big city too, but it's gonna right. happen a little bit less. Right. Because there's that one extra connection. But yeah. Yesterday I made it home from all the way from Florida few different flights and <laughs> I was home for dinner. And it was awesome. I left early early in the morning and I was home for dinner. So that was wow. Amazing. So, so uh the other side is there's so much more. Like, you know, the the th- the work that people do that they choose, although like I l lo- I get I'm privileged enough to do something that I absolutely love and that gives me energy. You know, I'm I'm also real that it there's a tremendous amount of stress. Mm-hmm. We're in sales, I have to the number, I'm responsible for hiring talent and building up you know, new teams and driving us into new markets and creating revenue. And if the revenue doesn't come into the company, the company doesn't exist. So yeah. it's big, you know, big weight um, to take. And, you know, for me, I've, I've, I think it's probably through maybe my family, through sport, I've tried to have a balance of how to manage stress really well. And uh, we're literally, I'm looking right outside um, here. You can't see me on the podcast, but if you could, you would see um, within 30 seconds, I'm at a trailhead and I could go run for 20 kilometers. Incredible. And, and maybe see a couple people, maybe see some wildlife, see some deer, elk, bear, um, put on my backpack and have a you know, can of bear spray or just same like world-class riding trails. We can ski in the winter right from our door here. Yeah. And then the, the mountain is 10 minutes from us and it's an amazing mountain. So it's like, it really helps ground you there, which is like for me being outdoors and doing something active um, and fun like that makes all the difference. So yeah. That's what you really tell think. me, tell me more about this. This is real life. I, I love that. I can always count on Smithers to be real, that there is stress involved in this. And I think yeah. it's different. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think within a large organization, it's easy to hide behind someone else, something else. There's three layers before you're, at the top where it matters and in a small organization you know exactly where it falls and mm-hmm. right now it falls on you and I think managing that stress is one of life's greatest blessings because it's a beautiful problem and it's stressful it's real mm-hmm. and I think it's great to say like oh, I'm gonna go for a morning run that doesn't actually change your stress I think it changes how you approach your stress so how do you manage how do you manage? How do I manage that stress? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'd, I'd almost argue it does. Like, yeah, does it for you? Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, you know, so, like I'll, if, if I'm super stressed mm-hmm. or I have a big call or I need to like, like something's weighing me down, I'll just rip out. I'll go for a run or I'll go for a quick rip on a bike or go for a couple turns in the winter. And I don't have to like, get in a car and drive for 90 minutes to go do that. I can do that in minutes and I'm back in an hour. And the interesting thing that happens for me is like a lot of times I start processing that through when I'm on the run. And so maybe the stress is you're like, Oh, you're still thinking about it, but it's like my mind is better right? in this rut. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm outside. I'm soaking in nature. And it's like, all of a sudden I, I think about it and I'll even stop and I'll just write down a note even in my iPhone and be like, hey, that's great. Yeah. Put that in there and let's go do that. And yeah. then let's go back and take that call. So cool. I don't know. 
maybe it doesn't fully go away for sure. And, and yeah, at a smaller company, I, but I think it's almost makes it real. Like, yeah. That a little bit of extra stress, like, and that's sweet. I ran a really productive team, but if my team didn't make the number, we were still going to be fine. All right. So it's rad to go out and rip on trails, be it on your shoes, in your shoes, on your bike. Um, but it's no secret that you mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, you and your wife grew up as competitive skiers. Yes. And your life has apparently come full circle. And here you are from competitive ski days as young smithers to living in the mountains and raising kids on the mountains nonetheless. And I want to know how those days as a competitive athlete, a highly competitive athlete, we might add, have influenced who you are as a leader now, both personally, but also in terms of who you're attracted to hire, um, mm. perhaps how you even um, manage your days or schedule days. How have your athletic endeavors influenced you? I'm actually just going to, I'm uh, almost through writing a blog on this similar topic. Um, I feel I was very blessed with amazing parents that instilled early on about um, being empowered to go achieve something and at the same time being accountable. And I had, and the accountability was that we were not super wealthy as a family. And we also, I had an older brother. So to pay for two people in sport, I had to early on be really engaged in that process. And I think that created an, another level of hard work and accountability towards achieving that. And then through sport, you, you achieve so much. I, I, I think I was lucky enough to have, you know, nature and nurture coming together. Um, pretty good fit athletic parents. And that has helped me be a good athlete. And at the same time, they put me in every sport I could ever dream of being part of. And it just so happened that two of them stuck with um, playing varsity soccer and then play and then uh, alpine skiing at a, at a really high level. Um, the alpine skiing one was you know, was really the game changer for me. It, it got me a ski scholarship down to the University of Denver. And I didn't know what I like, like probably most people that you don't know exactly what you want to do when you grow up. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Um, I'm living a dream and I'm living something that I'm really passionate about and it is helping support my family. But when I first got into it, I just applied my, why I was, how I was successful in athletics and sports into corporate. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to treat this like a game. I'm very competitive. I like to win and I figure out the strategy to win the game. So who are the best people doing playing the game? What are the skills that they have and how do I then emulate myself and partner with my, you know, partner with others so that I can learn those skills. What are my skills? What are the skills I require who could help me build up those skills? And so I just did that. And then I would like classically read a bunch, learn, continue to be really open. I think when I've failed, I've, I've felt like I know more than others. Um, I'm also blessed on that. The company that we're with now, they're like the two co-founders to like remain open, remain open. And I don't know if they kind of know that a bit, a little bit about me, but it's like, it's awesome. And I've been become, I've become even a better leader being open in a, every interaction that you can have with somebody you can learn from that, from that opportunity. So it's like that kind of has shaped me into this corporate world from athletics into corporate. And then you, you learn through athletics, it can be time management that you, you figure out. You figure out how to win and lose. You figure out how to like re-up to try to, to win again. Um, you, you understand persistence. Um, there's so much in, in sport. But I, I'm also like, I'm also know about like having too many biases and probably early in my career, I probably as a leader, I was fortunate enough to get as 
think when you and I met, we were, I was 27 and I was hiring a bunch of people and you were helping redefine. And even at that point, you're like, hey, we're going to redefine the whole process so we can find these, this talent. Are you up for that? And I was like, yes, sounds awesome. Shouldn't take two months to land somebody. What if I was to able to get you amazing talent in one day or you know, one week? And I was like, Corker, do it. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. And so it's like, you know, those kind of like aligning with good people and just, and then that's just like, so you did in sport. You figured out who could help you win, win the game. And so, but that all said, it's um, my, my issue, my, my issue, but I'm always attracted to like people that have been through sport, but I know it's just the same in academics. You can achieve academics at a really high level. You can achieve art at a really high level, like any of those types of things where you, you, you know, where you have the drive and you have those abilities to tap into a bigger network, to lead others, to learn, to listen, to communicate. Like those are the skills. And so actually now my teams are way more diverse. I've got a pastor. I've got uh, um, a gentleman who was like chief of staff for a, a local MP. I've got an HR professional. I've got like a whole bunch. And I think actually that diversity in our team has made us that much stronger. It's like, and I wouldn't have known, like, I would have probably like, I'm just going to hire athletes and we have to have athletes because that's my bias. Right. But I've also, you got to like, I think I, we, we talked a little bit, it was like kind of learn and unlearn. It's like, okay, right. I learned it this way, I was successful. And oh, by the way, now I'm unlearning that and learning something else and it's making me even better. Totally. Uh, as a leader. So speaking of drive, I just want your two thoughts on it. Um, do you think drive is something we're born with or can it be um, cultivated? And, you know, because I hear you speak and I'm like, gosh, I'm so driven with your energy. I'm driven to do more and be better or think of things differently when, when you're vibrating with somebody similar, you know, who you're attracted to. Do you, what, what do you think about drive in us as humans? <laughs> so I can give you a perspective of my five-year-old son. He has ridiculous drive. <laughs> and I'm actually <laughs> no, that's parent. called genetics. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's the point. Like, yeah, totally. Where I come from. I don't know. Yeah. Like, he has two parents that were really good athletes and that were really competitive, both in different words. Some in extroverts, some an introvert. Like, both like different. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I'm trying to have him learn how to lose. Mm. I'm like, mm, I'm going to be that parent at his wedding or whatever it is in 20 years. He's like, Dad, you remember when you were trying to teach me how to lose? What a loser! I'm like, <laughs> no, like, yeah. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm a new parent. You're, you're like, there's no practice. You're in the game of parenting and you're trying to figure it out, but I'm just seeing how much drive he has to win. Um, I'm like, like, I don't know what well, we have. Our second child now is two months old. Actually just, just, uh, yesterday. Amazing. And well, yeah, maybe ask me in the podcast in a, another month, but I don't know. I'm always like curious. It's a hard one to, to determine. It's a hard one to kind of interview, but I'm like, I look at what people have done when I'm interviewing them to see, you know, how they achieve something at a high level through sport or through academics or, or through work or career. And, and that's how I kind of like uh, rate their drive. Hmm. If they have done that really successfully across that, then it's like, okay, perfect. Yeah, totally. You dropped a juicy truth bomb before we jumped on here and that was if you aren't nervous it's not worth doing yeah. and I love that because uh, I think it gives it made me pause and think when was the last time I was nervous and the truth is I think I wake up nervous 
for anything that's going to happen that day, just because there's so much going on. Uh, but I want to know when the last time was that you were nervous. Oof. Uh, I don't know if I try to put myself to be nervous every day, but every week, yeah. but um, I did an ultra uh, last year. I think you, you and I spoke about it after. Um, I was super nervous about it. Like I had trained, I'd put in the miles, but I was definitely nervous. It was, yeah. it was going to be eight hours out there. It was the hottest day of the summer in Fernie. Um, and I was really, really nervous for that. Um, was this more, a 50? It was 50K. Yeah, 50K. 50K. Your first 50K? First 50. And we talked about wow. that actually, of this idea of doing things for the first time. And I yeah. think that's a little bit in part and parcel of that, of like, being nervous like we see kids they just continue to just oh, like they're working through their nerves and they just go out and do something for the first time why does we as adults we stop doing things for the first time like totally uh, but like you know i'll be you know on a presentation i'll be nervous i'll do the prep before um even a negotiation i need the negotiation to go well and you know i'll do like i i, I know what i need to do but at the same time it's like yeah your heart is beating yeah um we have this uh we have this backpack ceremony at our company, which is, you know, people that are joining thought exchange, they come onto this adventure and this is wonderful, wonderful celebration. And the individual, uh, one of the other individuals of the company that's already got a backpack has to go sleuth and find out information about the people that um, they're giving the backpack to. It's this wonderful thing. Just as you were probably sleuthing, asking some questions before coming into this. And uh, so I did, I got, I got my backpack ceremony. I was, you know, into the company. Um, but I didn't get to do that for somebody else. So I was like, and I talked to our HR team. I talked to our executive and uh, I had came up with this idea. I was like, I would like to give a backpack, you know, ish ceremony. They already have their backpacks, but I'd like to, I don't think anybody's ever given it to our, like our two co-founders and our senior VP of people. I was like, so I prepared that. I sleuthed, got a bunch of information. I was up there presenting. I was nervous super yeah. nervous like so that's super cool smithers that's a wrap we need to wrap and every podcast wraps at uncorked with our favorite question which is what is currently today making your heart beat faster oh i have a family of four <laughs> uh, a two-month-old that uh, we're trying to sort out and figure out how that works. The child was six six weeks early as well. Wow! Everybody's doing great, um, but that makes my heart race for sure. Um, and then we're on this rocket ship of growth. We just got institutional invest investment in the company, and a lot is riding on our my ability to drive the team to our goals before the end of the year. Um, so those are the two things that have my heart racing and have me really energized and excited at the same time. So. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your time. And I love that you are an example for doing scary things and creating a life you love. It's super, super inspiring. So thank you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. More soon. Mm -hmm.